Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey, we've got a very special episode of the podcast today. I was a guest on Real Estate Runway with the host Chad Sutton on his podcast back in August of 2023. Uh, That podcast was actually released in September, but the title of that episode was The Exit Without Exiting Blueprint with the Real Jason Duncan. And we had such a great conversation, Chad and I. I thought it would be great to just release this as a special episode of The Root of All Success. So go check out his podcast, Chad's podcast, Real Estate Runway, and uh, go ahead and listen to this episode. I think you're going to like it. I am so excited to introduce Jason Duncan on the show today. He's a friend of mine here in Nashville. This guy is a best-selling author. We'll talk about his book towards the end of the episode and give you a link to get it for free if you check it out. And he is a TEDx speaker, done some TED Talks before, super encouraging guy. He's a coach, a business coach helping 100,000 entrepreneurs find true success and balance by living the hashtag exit without exiting lifestyle. So I'm so excited to introduce my friend, Jason. Let's get right into the show. Folks, if you want to check us out on social media, we're everywhere at the Real Estate Runway Podcast or at Team Quattro Capital. And if you want to be on the podcast, check us out at the thequattroway.com slash podcast to apply. Let's get right into the episode. Here we go. All right, all right, all right, Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. This is your captain speaking, and I'm joined today with a friend of mine, Jason Duncan, also known as the real Jason Duncan. If you follow him anywhere on the socials, if you're living under a rock, give him a Google. This guy has done some amazing stuff. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. I gave a little bit of a spoiler there. You'll hear that in the intro that this guy is a TEDx speaker. So go check out that amazing talk. Their most recent one was on marriage. I'm not sure if you've done more than that, but these are really cool things to check out, brother. Yeah, I did. I've done two and I've emceed a TED, just emceed TEDx Old Hickory this past weekend here in Nashville. That's so awesome. Well, Jason, give us the lowdown real quick. So you've got a pretty amazing story yourself. You know, how did you go from being a normal average dude to being a normal average dude who's done some pretty amazing things in life and where you are today? (laughs) Well, so I got my start in entrepreneurship quite accidentally. I was an unemployed school teacher in 2010, 2011, and I'd started a company a year prior to not getting my contract renewed as a school teacher due to budget cuts. So they had cut budgets, they were having to cut teachers, and I was left on the chopping block as somebody didn't have tenure. And I'd started a company a year prior with a friend of mine, but never intended to actually do anything with it. It was more, it was fun, just kind of a hobby on the side. And then, you know, I had to make a decision, a big decision about the next stage of my life. And I made the decision to go full in on entrepreneurship. And, you know, so I ended up building that company to 
fairly significant size revenue and got recognized nationally. We were doing really good things. And then I had a really bad year in 2019. A lot of stuff went on that year. Lost money in the business the first year I'd ever done that. And I realized at the end of the year, the reason we lost money, the reason that the company was not doing well is because I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. And entrepreneurs everywhere are in the same boat. If we're not the ones doing all the work every day, the business is probably going to take a, a neutral position at best and probably most likely is going to start going backwards. And that's what happened to me. So I realized I had to make a change not only for myself, but kind of teach other people how to stop the bleeding of your company when you're not present. Yeah, that's so important. You know, and folks, we've talked about on here, whether you're operating real estate or investing or whatever it is that you do that, that generates you wealth, you, know, you probably are involved in a business in some way. And, you know, a business in left to its own devices will break even at best. You know, it's those of you who are able to create that arbitrage and, and make income and exceed expenses that, that do pretty well. And then the next magical part, which Jason has kind of, you know, coined is the hashtag exit without investing, you know, to get to that exit lifestyle, you can sell the thing and hopefully get to that one in a, I think you actually have this in your book. It's one and not so many that are one in a lot, you know, not so many in a lot that actually get to that exit liquidity event. But yet another path is available. And that's, you know, how do you get yourself out of the business, you know, buy yourself time freedom and achieve that freedom lifestyle. So I'd love to get into, because, you know, this is, we could talk for two hours on this. I want to maximize the time we have on this topic, Jason. Let's talk about how you came up with the exit without exiting concept and what that really means before we kind of start unpacking that a little bit, you know? So my story, I, I gave just a little bit there. What happened was at the end of 2019, first year of the company ever lost money. Prior to that, we were had seven-figure bottom line. Things were going really well. So it yeah, flipped yeah. really fast. So prior to me taking my eye off the ball, when I was working 60 plus hours a week as the CEO of the business, we were killing it. We were making a lot of money, had a good team. Things were going well. The year 2019, I had a legal issue with a former business partner. I had some family stuff going on. And I had another something going on in the personal life with a friend who, anyway, that's a whole another podcast. We could get into that. But all three of these events converged in the perfect storm in that one year, which mean, which meant for me, I had to take my eye off the ball. So when I took my eye off the ball to pay attention to legal issues and all this other stuff going on, you know, the business I thought would keep going and it didn't. So when I got to the end of that year and realized I was the problem, I sat down with my business coach and said, okay, man, I want out. Let's sell the business. I don't want to do this anymore. We'll sell the business. And he looked at me and he said, your business is not sellable. I said, what do you mean it's not sellable? I mean, I, I get that this year is a bad year, but come on, this is a seven figure bottom line company. We should sell, we could sell this business. And he goes, no, he said, cause the reason you want out is the same reason nobody else is going to buy it. He said, you want out because you realize that you're the secret sauce of the business and nobody else is going to buy it if you're not going to stay with it because you're the secret sauce of the business. So at that, you know, your question, Chad is how did I come up with eggs without exiting? That forced me to figure out another way. You so if I can't it. exit the traditional way, what other way can I exit? And that's when I started figuring out how to get out, how to exit daily operations without selling the business. And I figured out how to do it. Yeah. And so, it's a, it starts off, I mean, it's almost like a Dan Sullivan mindset. It's like when you're first trying to buy back your time as an entrepreneur, folks, you know, whether, again, whether it's real estate or whatever other business you're in that generates you cash, you start to realize, well, there's some things maybe I'm not so good at you know, and, and maybe I shouldn't be doing those things. So you start to maybe get a virtual assistant or maybe you start to get someone to handle marketing when you're a sales guy, you know, whatever it is, you start to replace those things. 
But what you then, and, and I think this is where you're going, Jason, so tell me if I'm getting this right. You have to get to the point where I was like, even yourself, everything that you are doing in the business, the secret sauce you bring to the table, and that's probably the hardest person to hire and to replace, is how do you replace yourself such that you literally could hand the business to someone else and it would still perform it the same way without you? Is that right? Well, the, the question you have to ask yourself is this, why did you start the business? Mm. Did you start the business to have a good job? Or did you start the business to have a business that threw off financial rewards so that you could live the lifestyle that you truly desire? And I think if you're honest with yourself, the reason you started the business is the latter, not the former. So if you started your business just to have a better job, knock yourself out, man. Do everything. You're better at it than everybody anyway. You might as well just keep doing it. You're going to have a high paying job and you're going to work every single day until you die. That's what's going to happen. I was on the phone with a uh, chiropractor the other day. She had reached out to me. She wanted to talk to me about how I could help her. She's in her 70s, single practitioner, no employees, barely making it. And she said, I will be adjusting someone until the day I die. And that broke my heart. There's no fixing this. I, I didn't have an answer for, I don't know how you fix that. Now you come to me earlier, 20 years earlier, and in her case, 50 years earlier, and let's figure this thing out. We can get you to a place where the business is throwing off tons of cash. You're not having to adjust anybody. You're not having to be there every day and you don't have a job. What you have is a business, an asset that continues to grow in value. Most people, and I know your listeners are right in, right in line with most people, believe that the only real passive income is through real estate. And that's not true. Real I invest in real estate. I have an Airbnb, Verbo that I rent out. Like I get it. I like real estate. As a matter of fact, I live in a rental right now because I sold the big house I had just so I could invest in short-term rentals. Like I get it. But there's other ways to do passive income, and that's through business ownership. And if you set your business up right, you can have passive income through your business. And it's taxed very similarly to the passive income from real estate. Yeah. And I want, I want to capitalize on what Jason just said there, folks. You know, we always talk about real estate as an obvious choice for passive income. And there's opportunities to invest passively in there and get a return while someone like Quattro goes and does all the work for you. The same thing is true in, I mean, let's just think about an HVAC company. There, I know groups out there who are buying up mom and pop HVAC companies and they're getting them co-branded and streamlining operations. It's the same thing. You can be a passive investor, get passive income. But if you kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, I'll tell you guys a little secret. Although we own a bunch of real estate across the country, we are a business, right? And, you know, Quattro Capital actually is, it's successful because of what the partners do in the business. And so, you know, I brought Jason on here because I, you know, I'm kind of a, a pupil of this as well. And that, you know, we, while we've started a thriving business and it, it's been going for many years and it has, you know, 200 million in assets and all sorts of stuff going on, that's great. But until there's a day where Chad can disappear to Austria, I say that because it's my favorite country, until Chad can disappear to Austria skiing for four months and it doesn't matter, Chad has not achieved the exit without exiting concept. And that's where, you know, the business itself that you own can be what's throwing off that cash flow, which, you know, could have been your salary before when you were trading time for money. So let's put all this, let's transcend for a second, Jason. It all starts with mindset, right? And so before you can even start talking tactically about, you know, what is the exit without exiting lifestyle and how do you start to put this, these types of, of things in place, what kind of mindset do you have to even be able, like about the business, about yourself, to even be able to approach this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, mindset is the key, right? Mindset will, well, let's back that up a little bit. Everything you experience in your reality 
can be traced back to the way you think. So if you think certain things, if you think positive all the time, you think on the optimistic side of life and you think things are going to work out and you think life is great, you think money is has a specific purpose to achieve great things and make a big impact. If you think that way, you're going to live a life that's in line with that thinking. If you're an Eeyore, everything's falling around you. You you get sick all the time. Nothing's ever going your way. The government's out to get you. The man's out to get you. If you think that way, your life is going to be in line with the way you think. So your business also is in line with the way you think as a as an individual. So if you believe that your business is your best opportunity at having a nice job without somebody over you to tell you what to do, then you're going to have a business that's really just a nice job for you. But if you think about your business, you have a mindset that says, this business is my primary way to build wealth and make an impact in this world, then you're going to line yourself up with that way of thinking. So, so if you think about this, most entrepreneurs have the hero syndrome. And the hero syndrome is they believe and they think that they're the only person qualified to save the day when the crap hits the fan. When something bad happens, it's them that has to put the cape on and fly and save the day. That's what they believe. Now, in the few first days, months, maybe even the first year of a business, that's, that is true. But beyond that, entrepreneurs who continue to have hero syndrome and move on and think that they have to be the one to fix all the problems, we never hear about their businesses. We don't know about these businesses. They're never going to be in the news. They're never going to, well, for anything good. They're never going to be in the news. They're never going to be on the front cover of magazine. But you know who is on the front cover of magazines? People like Steve Jobs, people like Elon Musk. And they got over the hero syndrome a long time ago. Early in the process of building their businesses, respectively, they understood they can't be the center of that business. They hired people to do it. And maybe they didn't do it as good as they could at first, but eventually they were. That's why we now know of their businesses, their multi-billion and multi-trillion dollar companies to this day, because they overcame the hero syndrome. The hero syndrome is important, folks. And by the way, I love that you mentioned Eeyore. I literally was sitting on my couch with my little girl watching Eeyore last night for the first time, or Winnie the Pooh, rather, for the first time in like 10 years, because she's now discovered Winnie the Pooh. So it's Wendy the Pooh, by the way. But <laughs> coming back to reality here, I love what you just said about that, Jason, because like, look, folks, there's a really simple number I want every one of you to put in your head, and it's 168, okay? You have 168 hours in your week. That's it. Like, just do the math, 24 times, you know, what? Well, yeah, 24 times seven. And, you know, what, what you'll realize is Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, they have that same 168 hours, yet they run multiple. In some cases, I, I think the last recorded number, wasn't it Richard Branson has like 500 companies or something like that? That he, the, the guy is not in every one of them. He's put layers and systems and processes in place where he sees what he needs to see, dials and switches and knobs to be able to kind of control. And he's got delegation below there, but we all have 168 hours in a week. And so that hero syndrome really will resonate with a lot of you who I know are out there busting it, probably 168 and a half, you know, trying to make everything work in your business. So Jason, let's come back into the tactical nature a little bit. And, and I really want to talk about the book at the end of the episode. So folks, stay to the end of the episode because there is a book Jason's wrote that outlines all this. We cannot cover this concept in a 30-minute podcast. But, you know, tactically, how do you start to approach, you know, not being the hero and turning your, let's just call it sole proprietorship into an actual business with people who are doing things the way you would do them. So tactically, it starts with delegation. So nothing matters until the mindset's in place first. That's the first right. thing. 
But then the tactically, when you get into the things you have to do, there's four core principles that I teach and they're really sequential. So one leads to the next, leads to the next. The first is embrace delegation. And so what I found now that I've learned how to be, become a master delegator and I'm coaching my clients to do the same. What I found is that nobody understands delegation. Nobody. I didn't and nobody does. So so what happens is I, I have to work with clients who think they understand delegation, think they think it's just assigning a task to somebody and then letting them handle it. That isn't a delegation. There's a specific method for delegation that I teach that once you embrace, that is the first step to freedom. The second tactic is called as eliminating stress. It's not, it's not reducing stress. It's actually eliminating stress. And I believe that through something called the law of open cycles, which is a universal law that teaches us that stress isn't caused by the endurance of stressful situations, but rather stress is caused by the too many open cycles at any one time. So if you can get your open, and there's a whole bunch of layers to this we don't have time to talk about today, but if you can get your stress levels reduced down to zero, you can get those reduced down to zero, eliminate stress from your life, that trickles down to your employees, that will trickle back out to your customers, and that makes more money come in. Because if you've ever walked into a business that everybody seems stressed out, like you might have done business, but you didn't go back because you're that man, that just didn't feel right. Something about that just, everybody's running around, it just didn't seem like they didn't know what was up. Stress is a killer individually and corporately. So mm. got to embrace delegation, then eliminate stress. And the third thing is establish systems and process. Now, you've already used this phrase a couple of times in this podcast, and this is what most coaches think that they would teach their first, their, their clients first is, hey, just to get systems and processes, man, it's all good. No, if you don't first embrace delegation and eliminate stress, you're just going to have systems and processes that you have to handle no one to because follow. everybody's stressed out about it. You're just setting yourself up for a deeper, more troubling system. So that's why that's third. And then fourth and finally is invest in people. Your people are your most important asset. They're more important than your customers. They're more important than your vendors. Your people, the people who work for and with you are the most important. So there are specific tactics that I teach my clients how to invest financially, how to invest emotionally, how to inv invest in every way you can imagine so that they will be there to run the thing the way you would when you're off doing whatever else you want to do next. I love those four things, man. And, and if we start with embrace delegates, let's say a few words about each one of them. And again, folks, we can't cover all this here. Let's try to get you excited about these a little bit. You didn't just say delegate. You said embrace delegation, right? And to me, that, that sounds like a, it's a buy-in on your side. I, I've seen and I've been delegated too in prior lives, right? Where it's like, I'm delegating this to you, but I really have my hand on the back of your shirt collar making sure, and I'm kind of almost puppeteering you around, you know? So when you're saying embrace delegation, you know, what does that mean? And what should that mean to the, you know, to the, the audience? Well, so delegation is not, like I said, assigning a task to somebody. Like anybody can assign a task to somebody. That's not delegation. That's one third of what delegation actually is. Delegation starts with assigning. But the other two parts, the other two thirds that people don't think about are this. They have to entrust that task to that person, which involves a certain level of trust in the person. And they have to empower the person to do this. So your example of holding, you know, the guy saying, go do it. And then he's holding on to you to make sure you do it right. That's actually called confiscation. That's not delegation because what ends up happening there is I assign it to you. 
I didn't delegate, it, but I thought I did. I assigned it to you. And then I'm watching over your shoulder. Did you do it right now? You didn't do it. Do it this way. No, I'll do it this way. And I, you know what? Just give it to me. I'll do it. Right. That's what, that's a lot of entrepreneurs. Got, and that's called confiscation. That ain't delegation. And then the other side of that, the, the actual, the sin that I commit more often than confiscation is this is called abdication. And it rhymes and does on purpose. Abdication is when you formally divest yourself of the responsibility of the outcome. Mm. And so abdicators like me, that was my biggest problem is I would trust people too much. I would assign a task and then never look back and then never go check on them. Did it work? Did it not work? Did they get the tools that they needed? And so really I assigned, but I didn't entrust and I certainly didn't empower that person to do it. So delegation really requires those three things. And so in the book, and in some of the courses that I teach and when I speak on stages, I talk about this training wheels to delegation. That there's these six steps and I take people through like, if you just practice these for the next 90 days, then you will be a master delegator. Yeah, that's super powerful, folks. And so if I got that right, it was assign, it was empower, and then it was, what was the last one? Assign, entrust, empower. Assign, entrust, empower. Yeah, that, that, and that, so that kind of brings it full circle into, you know, actually it setting someone up for success to be delegated to. And then, yep. so, so let's go into the next part. So now we're talking about eliminate the stress. Like I, I just, I almost have like, like rays of heaven coming down on me when you said those words, because, you know, most entrepreneurs, including myself, our lives are stressful. There's a lot of, and I, I love how you defined it. It is, it's too many open loops, right? If you, if I, I dream of a day where I can handle one thing, close the loop and then handle the next thing, close the loop and the next thing. And that just never seems to happen. There's a lot of open loops. So, you know, how do you even start to, to, so you said it starts with you, but how do you start to instill that culture? And because I mean, now you've delegated, you've got some people you're delegating to. How does that work? So uh, think about this, man. If you, if you only had one thing to do today, just one, that's it. You had nothing else to do. All you had to do was have this podcast. You didn't have to pick your daughter from school. You didn't have to go to the dentist. Like I just came from, you didn't have to do anything, like one thing. It didn't matter how big that one thing is, you could accomplish it stress-free because the reality is we're not, stress is caused by too many things, not the things. Let me say that again. Stress is caused by too many things, too many, not the things. So whatever the things are individually, man, boom, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got you, whatever. I got those, but you put all those together. That's when I feel stress. So the illustration I give people when I talk about this is if you can imagine for a minute all the things that you have to do, let's say over the next 30 days, maybe just the next week, 30 days kind of makes it a better picture mental image. But if you wrote all those things down on a single piece of paper, each of them, so you take out a piece of paper, write the one thing, pick my daughter up from school, go to the next page, get my oil, change my car, go to the next, like write them all down. Here's the thing. The thicker the book, the more stress you feel. If you put all those pieces of paper into a single, you know, put them into a book format, the thicker your book, the more stressed you are. That's the reality of stress. Now, how do you eliminate it? Well, you eliminate it by understanding how to deal with it. So if you can say, for example, I teach this whole thing called uh, open cycles of inventory, which, which again is more detailed than we could do in a podcast, but it's open cycles inventory is going through and, and playing triage on the things that need to be done now. Things can be done in the next couple of weeks and the things are going to take months to accomplish. Maybe other people are going to have to help us. And when I teach people how to do this open cycles inventory, they start feeling the stress drip off of them immediately. And it can happen. And now 
I'm probably the stress freest person in my life that I know. Like people who know me well, like I never get, I, I'm, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. And if I am, if I become stressed, it is readily apparent that I have too much crap going on at any one time. That's all it is. That's what it comes down to. So stress can be totally eliminated once you understand what causes it and then you figure out how to manage it. And I'll give you one example. So I was in here, I work from my home 90% of the time. And so I'm sitting, this is my home studio right here. And I, I, my wife walks in the office, you know, in my office not too long ago, it was several months ago. And it was one of those days when stress started to make, become apparent. Like I had too much happening. And she said to me, she goes, Hey, we need to do, and whatever, I don't even remember what she said. I looked at her and she understands this. So it wasn't like I was doing coach speak on my wife. We all in this family understand open cycles and what that means. And I said, babe, I got too many open cycles. I can't deal with it right now. And she didn't argue. She didn't say anything because she knew like if I had one more thing, it's going to be a problem. So she took it and dealt with it on her own. And then a couple of days later, that memory crossed my mind. I said, hey, what was that thing? And she goes, oh, it was this. And it had to do something with registration on one of my motorcycles or something. And so I handled it then. So she just knew, okay, don't add another page to the book, man. Let's get this going. If you could teach your employees this, and you also embrace that idea of eliminating stress through understanding open cycles, your life will completely change. Whether you exit your business or not, that little tip right there, that's a million dollar tip. That is the best definition of stress I've ever seen and or ever heard rather. And folks, if you're joining us on YouTube right now, I think that what you're seeing behind Jason's silhouette here, this pink essence is like his stress-freeness, you know? So it's a LED light on the wall. Look at that. <laughs> it looks cool, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to upgrade the studio. So Jason, let, let's go to the next step here. So, you know, I think this is probably the more common term that every, like, as you've heard me say it, you know, systems and processes a lot. But let's get your version on that, right? How, what, how is this setting people up for success? What is systems and processes? Why are they important? So a process is any particular task that can be completed in the same way in the, by, the, by different people, but completed in the same way each time with a predictable outcome. That's a process. So for example, if you have a client acquisition process or you have a client onboarding process or you have a vendor payment process, like all of those specific processes are tasks it should be written out, this is the way that it's done. So that if everybody in the office drops dead today, we have to put in a whole new group of people. I know that's kind of morbid, but we had a whole put a whole new group of people. Those people would know, oh, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. Those are that's process. That is first. You got to get your processes right. All the little stuff. And it, man, that sucks. As an entrepreneur, you don't want to deal with those details. You're like, you handle it. But if you take the time, maybe it takes you six or eight hours to write a a standard operating procedure, SOP, for a specific process, that's worth it because then that saves you every hour from that point into the in, infinitely into the future where there is not a question around how that process happens. And systems are groups of processes that when worked together, creates predictable outcomes that are safe, efficient, effective, and they work, they're streamlined. And so systems are the are groups of processes, a process of the small things. I'll give you an example. You're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. On my podcast, I've got an, an SOP for my podcast. My podcast is called The Root of All Success. We call it TROAS internally so that we all know. We don't have to say The Root of All Success every time. So when we, when internally for our team, we have a TROAS SOP. It's in a Google Doc. It's probably three pages long. And there's pre-show, day of show, or like there's pre-show, day of show, post-show. There's three sections of what has to be done. It's color-coded. 
So step one might be color-coded green, and that's my assistant, Renee. Step two might be color-coded blue, and that's my podcast manager. She has to do that. And it goes on through there. So everybody can log in and look, where are we at in the process? And they can look at it and go, oh, this is what needs to happen. So just the other day, and this, that's just one example of an SOP I've got for one thing in my business. But just the other day, something broke in the process. Something didn't happen. We had a guest who didn't show up. And I'm sitting on Riverside, just like we're doing it here. I'm sitting on Riverside. The guest is not here. And part of the process is my assistant texts the person the day before, verifies that they're coming, confirms that they're going to be there. They know the link and all that stuff. Well, what ended up happening, and I'm confessing a little bit of our sins here. So my apologies to the guest this happened to, but she got a the wrong link. So something happened in the process. She got the wrong link. So I simply said back to my team, go to the SOP, find out where the break, the broken link is and fix it. And so I didn't have to go reprimand anybody. I mean, I know who caused it. I know who did. I could have called that person up and go, why'd you do this? You know, you wasted my time. You wasted the guest time. But I just pushed it back to the team and said, hey, where is it in the SOP that that thing was supposed to be handled and who was supposed to handle it? That's all I had to say. And then the team goes back and looks at it. I don't even, frankly, I don't know what they did after the fact, but they handled it themselves. And the report I got back was, well, never happen again. We got it handled. Like that's the beauty of an SOP. But if I didn't have that SOP, what would have happened? I'm sitting there, where's the guest? Where's the guest? And I'm calling somebody, my podcast manager, where's the guest? Did you message? I didn't message him. Maybe Renee did it. And I call Renee, where's Renee? Did you mess? Oh, I didn't do it. Did you? Like I, that day would have been stressful because of all the little open cycles that I would have been trying to keep up in my brain. But instead I have a system that handles it all. That's the beauty of systems and processes. That's beautiful. And, and folks, I mean, Similarly, so for Real Estate Runway, we also have an SOP. You know, we keep ours in ClickUp, different tool, but doesn't matter. And I will tell you, it's it was awful when I had to sit down and write it down because, I, you know, when I figured out how to be a podcaster, I had no idea what I was doing, right? The company had no idea what they were doing. And so eventually it's like, okay, we got to sit down and make a process here. What are we going to automate? What are we going to have a person do? And all that kind of stuff. And, and this is the same exact, this is a great example because it's a great analogy of what you go through as an owner. First, you figure out how to solve the problem because you're a hero and you're going to do it all yourself. And then you realize, well, I, I guess I could use Calendly to probably handle it instead of sending emails back and forth. And so I put that in place. And then you, well, gee, I don't like editing, so I'll hire a company to do that for me. Like you can kind of see the rhythms here. And then it's like, well, well, gee, all I want to do is get on the show and talk. I don't want to schedule. I don't want to download files. I don't want to post it on social media. You want a team to do that. And so you write it all out. And then the cool thing is when you get your who's in place, your embracing of delegation, eventually they master the process. And eventually you say, well, this is a fun question that I don't know if you teach it this way or not, Jason, but this is a fun question I like to do is like, okay, well, you now own this process. How can we do it better? You know, and I, I love how way you said it. It's like, I, I tell them like, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, how would your legacy be to teach the next person how to do your job? You know, and uh, it's probably not too morbid of a thing to say. I shouldn't say that anymore, but. The point is you give them ownership of it and then they're so excited because now they control it. And wouldn't you know it, the guy that I hired to do it, he's got AI involved in this now. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that I didn't even think of. You know, it's cool. So anyway, coming to the last part of it and it's uh, so we've been through, okay, now it's invest in people, right? Round number four, we've been through embrace delegation. We've been to eliminate the stress. We've been to create systems and processes. And now we're on to invest in people. And I don't even want to say another word because your definition of this is probably going to say it all. So what is that? All right. To invest in something, and this is real estate runway, right? I mean, to invest in something means to put out some sort of resource, whether time or money or something else with the expectation of a return. 
That's what invest means. So we all know that's investing. So if I'm going to invest in the stock market, invest in real estate, invest in crypto, invest in gold, whatever it is, I'm going to take some resource that I own and I'm going to put it out and expect that's going to return to me more than what I put into it. That's investing. So, but that's only half of investing. Now think about this. That's one half. The other word, the other side of invest actually means to furnish with power, authority, and rank. So if you invest in someone, a person, you're furnishing with power, authority, and rank. So what I teach is this. You need to invest in your people both ways. You need to invest in them financially. And I've got a story I tell in a book where I took $80,000 out of my take-home pay as a CEO of my company and gave it, split it four ways to my four department directors when I began my exit without exiting process. Now, I was making good money, right? And $80,000 was still, that's a lot of money, right? That I mean, that's not chump change to anybody. Well, maybe a few people in the world, but not to me. So it was a big deal that I invested financially with the expectation of return. Now, that $80,000 that I took out of my take-home pay to give to these people has paid me back many times over because of what I've been able to do now that I'm not struggling with daily operation. But the other side is, is furnished with power, authority, and rank. And so that's giving them the power to make decisions, the authority to make the calls when they need to, and to change their titles or ranks and appropriate. Not, I'm not playing word games with people, but appropriately to give them the titles so that they have oversight in ways that are meaningful. Because if I pull out a day-to-day operations as the president and CEO, somebody's got to be responsible for day-to-day stuff. So that's a very oversimplified version of this, but invest is two-sided. It's one is financial and the other is about what you're doing with that person as an individual. And you bring those two things together, that's when you invest in people. And then of course, that rotates right back up to the top of embracing delegation. You teach them how to embrace delegation. You teach again them how to eliminate stress, teach them the importance of systems and processes, and teach them to invest in people. And it's just a cycle that continues on forever. And when you do it right, you get a lot of really good financial resources that back you up on it, and you don't have to be there every day. Amen to that. And folks, we have talked on this show so many times about, you know, the perils of trading time for money. Okay. And if you remember nothing else out of this episode, the path that Jason and his team are teaching people to walk, you know, how do you take money to buy time, right? Because as, and it's, that's oversimplification, but it's coming back full circle. You can never get more time. You can always get more money. If you don't believe me, go read how we've printed, you know, a quarter of the, or half the world's money supply in the last two years, right? We can always get more money, uh-huh. yep. but you can never get more time. We always have that 168 hours in a week and you have however many years the good Lord will give you. So anytime you can, when you get to the point of having, you know, embrace delegation and lowered the stress in the environment and built systems and processes. And this is probably the hardest part. I know it'd probably be the hardest one for me is to, you know, okay, well, let's take money out of my pocket. But if you recognize that money is buying you time, you know, it's, there's no better investment. It's the one non-renewable resource we have as entrepreneurs. And I will disclaim everything I just said, but I'm not exactly sure how much of the, what I just said came out of Jason's book. A lot of it probably did because it's sitting on my nightstand right now. So if I took any of your words there, I apologize, but it, they were well written. <laughs> Everybody go look at it up. To exit without exit, you can go check out a copy at therealjasonduncan.com slash free book. I'm actually just telling your listeners this. Not everybody knows that's a link, but you go to therealjasonduncan.com slash free book. You get a free copy. You just pay shipping and handling. I'll send you a free copy of my book, Exit Without Exiting. 
Jason, you are the man. I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this. Before I let you go, you got time for two Quattro questions? Go for it. All right. First one, what is your superpower? Could be life or business. And how does it help you give back to the world? Wow. That is a great question. What is my superpower? Well, my superpower is I think I have the gift of leading, of leadership and teaching. I think those are my superpowers and that I use. And I'm on a mission to help 100,000 entrepreneurs gain success and balance through my gifts of leadership and teaching. Ultimate clarity. I love it, brother. Let's flip the coin. What's your biggest failure, life or business? And what did you learn from? I think my biggest failure in business was probably a business partnership that went wrong. That actually was the whole 2019. That was something I had a business partnership that went wrong. I learned a ton from that. And it was the darkest, worst year of my life. I thought I was going to go bankrupt and lose everything. I lost a good friend to in the process, but you know, I learned a lot. So I don't look back with regret, but there is a lot of wish that had done stuff different. That's fair. You know, they always say partnerships are like marriages, but a lot harder to get out of. And there's some truth to that. So <laughs> yeah, it was tough. I don't ever wish anybody to have to go through a partnership divorce. But I think part of what that did is made me the man I am today and the coach that I am. So when I have clients come to me and want to work with me and they've got partnership issues, I can say, hey, here's how you need to do it to protect yourself. I love that. And let's see, we've talked about the book, folks, that link will be down in the show notes for your clicking pleasure. So just scroll down, check that out. Before we get to how best to get in touch with you, tell us about the podcast one more time. Troas, I think it was. <laughs> that's the internal. Yeah. That's our Ex internal. Externally. Oh, externally, what does that mean? It's the root of all success. It is a, an interview podcast very much like this. 90, I think 90% of my shows are interviews where I interview very successful entrepreneurs, typically entrepreneurs with significant net worth built upon the back of their businesses that they started. And I talk about what their definition is of success and the keys that they use to unlock that success. And so you can find it on any podcast player or on YouTube at The Root of All Success. Last question, Jason, this one's real tough. So get your baseball bat ready to smash it, all right? What is the best way for the listener base to get in touch with you, whether it's to talk about exit without investing or exit without investing, exit without exiting, or just to say hi and appreciate your episode? Go to follow me on Instagram at the real Jason Duncan. But frankly, I'm on just about every social platform with that same thing. But LinkedIn and Instagram are the two places I play around the most Instagram more than anything else. Love that. Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. What knowledge was spit today? It's amazing stuff. And folks, this is a mindset shift. So if that resonated with you, click those links below to learn more because there's no way we can ever do, you know, what Jason teaches justice here on this show. But thank you for coming and sharing your knowledge. And I hope to see you soon, brother. Thanks, man. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at the real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.